I am a fan of on demand. I always say it because I am. I believe it's powerful to be able to dial up the Word of God when you want to and put it in your hand when you need it. And so get ready for a great Word of God today that's going to help you with your confidence. Confidence is our focus today. I want you to focus with me and let me show you how I have confidence in the last days. We are in challenging seasons, but we can with confidence rise above them. So stay with us today. It's going to be a great Word for you. Stay right there. Hi, this is Pastor Rick, and I want to talk about one word today, the word confidence. And let me tell you right now, if anything has challenged our confidence, this season has surely challenged our confidence, and including mine. It has made me think and second guess and wonder, and oh God, am I doing it right? Am I going in the right direction? Am I leading my church in the right direction? Am I okay? Am I, did I plan enough? Oh man, it's just a barrage of emotion. But I've learned that one thing about confidence is this is a decision you make. You just decide to be confident. You can struggle, you can have difficulties, but you can decide that you don't want to be overwhelmed by fear and insecurity. And so I want to show you something today that I think is really simple. It's a sermon that talks about confidence in the last days. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It's the uh, concluding section in the book of Matthew chapter 25 that is oftentimes uh, talked about in a fearful way. But I want to inspire you because I really believe that it's designed to give us confidence because he talks about how uh, we are to respond to the last days and the, the basis that God will use to judge us in the last days. It's a really profoundly simple text and it will surprise you in the end. But let me, if I can, point out a couple of things that I think would be important. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you confident in your relationship with God? If I were to ask you right now, where do you stand with God, what would you say? Well, the typical Christian would give you one of two answers. They would say to you, well, I'm right with God because I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 10 and 9, 8 and 9. And based on that, I'm right with God. So let me read that verse for you. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, it's a really uh, verse 9, I'm sorry. It, it, it's a simple verse, but it's what people often use when you ask them, say, are you right with God? They'll say this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from, the, from him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Now, if you're a church person or not, you may never have heard that verse, but that's the verse that the typical person would use to say, I'm confident that I'm okay with God. And then there, a second verse they would use is this one. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Those two verses are used to say, I'm confident that if I were to stand before God now, I confess with my mouth the Lord, I believe in my heart, I'm not trusting in my works, but I'm trusting in what he did for me on Calvary's cross. Based on that alone, I know I'm right with God. And you might ask me, Pastor, are they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But there's more to the story. A lot of people can say with confidence they're right with God. And they can really be convincing. They can, you know, have a stern look. They can put the shoulders back. Some could maybe, you know, make some kind of spiritual oration or song or tongue or whatever. And it would really, from a, from a physical appearance to some people, not to all, but to some, that person looks like they're right with God. And they could be confident because they look like it. But I've learned that looks can fool you. Looks can really deceive you. Right now, we're in, in a moment where, you know, a lot of churches are closed and you can't go into the building. Uh, and during that season, you find out, well, let's see who looks like they're confidently close to God and who really is. 
Some people look like they were together, but since this has happened, they're falling apart. They have somehow lost all faith in themselves, all faith in God. Some pastors are home depressed to death. They're like really sad because they don't have their church. They don't have the convenience of the services. They don't have the choir. They don't have all those, th those, those, those things that they're used to that gave them confidence. But what I've learned is I think there's a really bad perception that Christians have. Uh, there is a misperception that Matthew 25 puts in perspective for us. Matthew 25, verse 31, challenges us with a, a, another measurement. There is a, if, if you were to ask God, what gives a person confidence that they're right with him? If you were to ask Jesus this question, his answer wouldn't be what we typically would say today. What we would say today is if you go to church, if you sing in the choir, if you don't do these four or five bad things, that based on these four or five bad things you don't do, based on your church attendance, based on your giving, you're right with God and you look like it, you kind of look holy or whatever. But that's not what Jesus said. Now, again, I'm not saying that some of that's not important. I'm just simply saying that's not what Jesus said. If you want to know how to be confident in your relationship with God, if you want to know what Jesus said would make you confident, if you want to know what Jesus said should be at the forefront of your thinking, here's what he said in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and, all the, and the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Now notice the language. Notice with me, it gets really personal in nature. And notice he describes the judgment in two terms. He talks about sheep and goats. Now, so hear about this. Okay. We're talking about how God sees right and wrong, how God views us, and what is the basis upon which he uses to judge us. What is the criteria? Well, the first thing you notice is he says, let me, let me take you back, take you, take you forward a little bit, Jesus does. He says, let me, let me show you what it's going to be like in the last days. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to have a judgment. And I'm going to call everybody together, and there's going to be two categories, sheep and goats, okay? Verse 33, and he will, set, he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Pretty good stuff. Verse 35, watch this now. He said, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You went to the prison, and you visited me. So notice again, notice, notice, notice these people he mentions here. The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. That, my friend, is the highlight of his summary of what impressed him with the sheep, the people that were entering into God's presence, into heaven with confidence. The people who were right with God were the people who cared about the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. Now, that's the basis. Watch this now for judgment. Then verse 37 says, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer, verse 40, and say to them, and surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, 
you did it unto me. Now, please note it again. When you feed the hungry, when you feed the thirsty, thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner, he says, you did it to me. That is amazing. Now, think about this for a second. If we're asking what gives us confidence in our relationship with God, what makes us know we're okay with God, he doesn't mention church services, he doesn't mention choir, he doesn't mention singing, he doesn't mention dancing, he doesn't mention preaching, he doesn't mention any of that. He simply talks about how you interact with people. Okay, don't get nervous. I know you're saved by grace, not by works. Don't get confused. Okay, hang with me. I'm trying to make a point. Church people have one perception that is very different from people who are not really churched. I grew up as an unchurched person. And for me, it was not about churchiness or churchisms. It wasn't about church language or church services because I never went to church. I didn't start going to church until I was, oh, 15-ish. I went a few times before, but very, very, very seldom. So I was probably more unchurched in my thinking than churched. Church people have come with a list, and, they, and I'm not against, I get, I, like I said, I get it. I'm saved by grace. I know that. You know, I confess my mouth, Lord Jesus. I get that. But what's amazing is when Jesus talked about how to be confident in your relationship with him, how to be confident in the last days when you face him, how to be confident in the final judgment, he doesn't mention any of that stuff. He simply says, how did you deal with the thirsty? How did you deal with the hungry? How, what did you do for people? See, it's all about doing in his mind. It's not just about thinking and saying. It's about doing. Works and faith have to blend. That's the bottom line. So look at the bad results, if you would, please. And this is really awful stuff. Verse 41. He said, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Oh, there he goes. Fire and brimstone. I keep, keep reading. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you, you did, did not ask me. You did not visit me, rather. You didn't come and see me. So notice with me. He, he is drawing a strong line between what impresses him and what does not. He's saying, you want to be confident in your walk with me? Look at what you do. Don't just look at your confession of faith. If you really want to know what a person believes, watch what they do. It's really pretty powerful. Goats and sheep. Sorry. Yeah. No, sheep and goats, right? Right hand. Sheep. <laughs> Get it right. And goats. I, the, the difference is action. And, and so this takes us to a verse as I close, okay? It's in James chapter 2. Because in, in James, there's this argument that comes up in the book of James about how this works. Because there were a lot of people saying, well, I'm confident in my walk with God. I know I'm okay with God because I confess the Lord Jesus. I know I prayed the prayer of faith, and so I'm okay. That's good. That's really good. But believing alone that Jesus is the Lord, or believing alone that God is real is not enough if there is no transformation of your life. And one of the things about preaching that I have to be careful about is that I'm not interested in just transferring information to you. Some of you are really good Bible scholars, but you are mean. Oh, God, are you mean? You are a truly <laughs> well-informed, religiously knowledgeable person who knows about ecclesiology, ecclesiology, harmonyology, all ologies. You know about all that stuff. You've got all the degrees, and I'm not against that. i got a few myself. I'm simply saying, if you're not careful, you'll forget the message. And here's what I think is happening. The church right now is in a season where the issue is not what you believe. It's what you do. Okay, so 
you don't have a church to go to, right? You can't go to your building right now for some of you. So, okay, so what are you going to do now? Sit there and wait for the building to open back up again? Really? Is that your, is that your dream and your goal? We're going to wait for the doors of the church to be open so we can go back in there and do our thing. We're going to usher. We're going to preach. We're going to sing. Get the worship team back up. Get the choir going back. Everybody, piano players. Oh, boy. Can't wait to get back to the house of God. How about you go be the house of God? How about you go and do something for the sick, the hungry, the lame? Why not just say, let's go do something? Are you nervous that God's closed you down? Are you nervous that God's not giving you an option? Well, God says, do something. You can't spend all your life in the barracks, marching around in the barracks. The church is the barracks. We train in here. I like in here. I'm in here now. I love it. But I'm here to train and go. God wants us to go. Not live our lives in the barracks. That's what he said. He said, you know, you, know, you can have faith. But if you don't have works, James chapter 2, here's what he said, James 2, 14. He said, what profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Thus also faith by itself, verse 17, it, if it does not have works, is dead. Can I pause there for a minute? Dead. Do you know that people don't care what you say? Watch this. I believe in Jesus. Good. How does that affect them? Because you look holy because you don't wear certain clothing anymore and you, you now feel better about yourself. You don't say big bad words. You don't uh, drink. You know, we got a list. You know, if you don't do this, you don't do that. You know, we got our list of bad things you don't do anymore. And you testify. I no longer do the bad things. I'm no longer a bad person. I do good things now. Okay. Okay. So you're a good person, but you don't care about, there's no evidence that you are doing anything for the hurting in the world. That's what, that, that's what Jesus basically talked about, the hurting in the world. So now you are one of the hurting in the world. So now the Lord says, okay, I'm going to put you out here with the hurting in the world, and I want you to think about the hurting in the world. I want you to see them firsthand. Oh, we're living in it now. It's not, not in some history book. We're living in it now. You're living in a financial challenge. You're living in a season when your job's at risk. You're living in a challenge. You're living in a season now. You're not reading about a pandemic. Some of you are living in one. You have a challenge right now in your life that you must face. So here's the question. Now, tell me, tell me, where is your confidence? Is your confidence just in your confession or in your action? The rest of James says this, you know, believing is fine. Demons believe and tremble, but that's not the issue. Show me, he says, show me your faith. I love this verse. I want to read it to you. It's something he says profound. He said this, he said, um, verse, verse uh, 18, but some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I, love this now, will show you my faith by my works. For you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith, there's again, without works is dead. And he goes on, talks about Abraham and his faith and how he believed God. Here's a here's bottom line. Here's the bottom line of the whole message. In these last days, gives me confidence that I'm where God wants me to be. It's not just my confession and my personal conviction about who God is and Jesus being the Lord of my life. That's not, that's not it. Because everybody's not going to tune into that station. Everyone's not going to believe that today. But here's what they can believe when they see my light. When I feed the hungry, when I help the people that are hurting, when I care about the hurting in the world. And if you want God to give you money, you want God to give you opportunity, you want God to give you something to, to work with, then you need to prove and demonstrate with confidence that you want to help the people hurt. 
I, I have to tell myself all the time, it's about helping people, Temple. It's about making a difference in the lives of people, sir. It's not just about getting up in front of people and wowing a crowd. It's not just about that anymore. It's all about me caring about people and demonstrating that in the foundation of my life. So here's the question. So what are you going to do now? Let's, let's talk about what you're going to do. Instead of sitting there waiting for your church doors to open again, what are you going to do? What is going to be your next step? What is your plan? Get a piece of paper out, write out a plan. Instead of moaning over your church building and the lack of offerings you got and I didn't get, sit down and say, what do I want to do for God? Well, Rick and Temple, I can't do anything if I don't have a church. Really? Pause and think about that. I can't do anything if I don't have a pulpit to preach in. Really? 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 So your whole faith in life is tied to this? While the world around you is dying, starving, hungry, hurting. That's why people don't go to church. 80% of Americans don't go. Just to be, just to be clear. Halfway report said 8 out of 10 people don't go. And that number has gone down to zero now almost, except for the few people who ignore all of the health rules and don't care. And I don't know what that's all about. That's another whole sermon. I won't preach that today. Lord, help us, God. Here's the bottom line. You need to think about, go ye therefore, big statement, into all the world. Go is the big word. That's the command. Not stay, sit, and, and perform for us. I am not against church. I have thousands of members in my church. I'm not against church. I'm just hearing God differently. You know, it touched me when I realized in Matthew 25, the only things he said was, you got to care about the hurting. You, sir, have to care about people who are in pain. You want to impress me? You want to impress God? You want to make a difference in the world? Start coming up with a pain list. In your neighborhood, where's the pain? Around your block, where's the pain? Is it schools? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it an organization that needs a donation from you? That needs maybe you no, know, you have no money. Maybe you have some time. Maybe you can take a pay, uh, uh, some some paper towels to somebody. I don't know what can you. Who hurts? Where is the pain? Here's what the church needs to do: go find the pain. That's what I've challenged my leaders and my staff and myself to do: go find the pain. Come up with a list of people in pain people that we can help. He says in the last days, you want to have confidence that you're doing my will. What you need to do is go find somebody that's hurting. Time has come for us to realize this is a new day. You know what I think is going to happen though to a lot of people? They're going to ignore it. They're so eager to get back to where they were. They miss where God's trying to take them. So let's pray together. I want you to hear me. I'm not fussing today. I'm testifying. I am as convicted and as touched by God as anybody. Because I had to realize something. Ricky Temple, I did tell you the Bible, right? Go ye therefore into all the world and preach. So now we've been all sent on an evangelistic mission to go find a new way to touch people, find a new way to build the future, find a new set of goals and priorities that go way beyond pastor's anniversary, conventions, events in the building, uh, all that, the services, uh, choir rehearsal, uh, and all the other things that go on the list. All those are nice. I'm not condemning any of them. 
I'm simply saying this is a season where when we get to the end of the day, he said, I'm not going to ask you about any of that. I'm only going to ask you about the hurting. That's the only question. What did you do for the hurting? Think about that. What did you do for the hurting? Period. That's the question. And if you can't answer that question, if you did a little bit for the hurting and a whole lot for your religious background and your religious institution, and you forgot the, the, the drug addicts are around the corner, and you forgot that the people that are dying are over there, and you forgot about the people that are homeless over there, you forgot about everybody else, and all you want is cathedrals and buildings and places to meet, but you don't care about the hurting. You've lost sight of your calling. What did you do for the hurting is the question of the day. You can answer that with confidence and say, I went to the prison. I fed the hungry. I visited those who were hurting. Then you can say, with confidence, I'm okay with God. When I stand before him, I'll have more than a holy testimony. You don't want to just get before God and say, see, God, I'm perfect. Look at me. I'm so much better. Look at me. I don't cuss anymore. I don't say bad words. I'm a good person. Please, please understand that that's not on the question here. Because Jesus made you holy. Your, your, your holiness with all your efforts is not enough to get you into heaven. He died on the cross to give you that. Now that you are right with God, the question is for you to get on with the work of God, church. And that is our message for today. Father, I pray that everything that we've said today will help those who heard it reevaluate what's important to them. It's all about the work. It's all about helping people. And I pray that our spirit would rise up and say, let's get busy. Let's go make a difference in the world. In the name of all names. In Jesus' name. Wow. Listen, I have so enjoyed being with you today. And next week is going to be a wonderful, wonderful sermon where we're going to share with you about Mother's Day. I have a special word for moms and a special word for women. And the, the question for next week is, do you really know what God has given you? You really understand the power that God put in the hand of a mom. Next week's sermon is going to really be powerful. Uh, I, I miss my mom. She's going to be with the Lord, but I got a word for you women. I got a word for you who've lost your mom. It's going to be helpful to all women, all ladies, all guys. I'm going to show you how to get along with your woman. I'm going to show you how to, how to make your mother's life better. I've got a great word for you next week. Don't miss it. But I thank God for being, you being with us today. It's going to be a great week next week. Let me encourage you, if you're here for the first time, thank you for being with us again. I really appreciate your presence, and I hope you were blessed by today's message. I want to encourage you, if you were not with us earlier and you wanted to participate in the giving and you just didn't, you missed that part of the service, feel free to use those options that we mentioned to you earlier. You can go to the website, overcomingbyfaith.org. That's overcomingbyfaith.org, and you're more than, more than welcome to participate in that offering if you'd like. I'd like to encourage you, uh, if you have never given to us before, feel free to use those options. Also, if you want to use the app, you feel free to use that. It's a wonderful option that you can use to bless your life and inspire your life uh, in so many ways and also give. So thank you for your giving and thank you for the faithfulness of your service. And thank you for being a part of our service today. And I want to close with one final thought. And I want this to be the final thing on your mind because some of you have watched this for a while now and you've really been touched by what you've heard. You've you thought about your walk with God. You said, you know, Pastor Rick, what you said really spoke to me in a practical way. If that's you, then I want to leave you with one final thought. And you're the most important thing of the conversation today. If you're not right with God and you want to be right with God, you want to get yourself into it, put yourself in a different place.
place. You want to be confident in your walk with God. Those first two verses I mentioned earlier in the sermon are really true. That you need to say with your mouth, Lord, I, I receive you. I believe that you died on the cross. There's something about admitting to God, I need you in my life. And so I want to leave you with an opportunity right here to dial this, reach out to this information that's on the screen. And I want to help you start your wife life with Jesus. The most important decision you ever make is to give your life to Christ. The most important decision you make is that, God, I need to start with you. So let me pray with you right now. For some of you saying, Pastor, this is the most important thing you said all day. This is the most important moment in my life. So let me pray with you. Father, I pray that those who heard this message who are not right with God would say, I want to be right. And I surrender my life to you. And I come to Jesus asking him to be the Lord of my life. And I thank you for this opportunity to give me a brand new start in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for being with us today. Reach out to this information that's on the screen. I want to make sure that you get a chance to hear more about how you can grow in your walk with God. And we'd love to connect with you. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, if you just say, Pastor, I want to ask you a question. I'm concerned about something. I want I want prayer for something. Reach out to pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. That's pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. We do respond. God bless you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick at Overcome by Faith. God bless. Bye-bye. I hope this challenged you to see that your confidence should not just be in your own personal strength, but in your commitment to God and your actions. You should be confident when you do what you say you believe. Not just say you believe it, but you actually do it. There's a difference between saying I believe something and living it out. Faith without works is dead. There's a merging of the two that makes you a more committed person and that makes your testimony more more believable. Confidence in your walk with God flows through a life that's truly surrendered. So look at your life and ask yourself, am I truly surrendered? And if I am truly surrendered, are there, is there evidence? Can I point to people I've helped? Have I helped the sick? Have I helped those in prison? Have I done anything that proves that I'm committed? You might say, well, Pastor, are you trying to say I'm saved by works? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're not saved by works. But you do need to make sure that your works and your faith line up together. And so let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for all those who've listened today. I pray that what they've heard today will inspire them to let their faith and their works align. Some people say they have faith but their works don't say it. The things that they do for people, the way that they interact with people does not say they are committed. You can with confidence say, I believe, but that confidence needs to be blended with action. So let those two merge today and may we leave this time inspired and go make a difference in the world. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being a part of our life. I pray that this has blessed you. And if it's blessed you, link it and share it with a friend link it and share it and inspire somebody else to be confident in their walk with God. I'll see you next time. You have a great day. My name is Pastor Ricky. Bye-bye.